Hello, Classic Crew, and welcome to another episode of Classically Abbey Live. Here on my podcast, we're going to be getting more in-depth on topics that fit in with my classic perspective and traditional values. As a premium subscriber, you get access to three exclusive podcast episodes every month. Today, I have Jacob back joining me. If you haven't heard him on here before, Jacob is my awesome husband, and we love to have these really in-depth conversations, just the two of us. So today, we're going to be talking about the dink lifestyle. What's that? (laughs) Well, uh, before we begin, something I was thinking of is that your podcast is a lie. Because it's not live. Exactly. It's not live. The name itself (laughs) is a lie. Well, I was trying to think of something that would make Classically sense. Classically, Abby lies. Oh, that's that's what I should. Okay. <laughs> yeah. On our wedding day, Abby and I have a joke that goes all the way back to then, all three and a half years of her hair being lies because she was wearing <laughs> hair extensions, and she mentioned it to me in advance of the wedding, and I rejected it hard, wholeheartedly that uh, she would wear hair extensions because I did not want her hair to be lies on our wedding day. <laughs> and of course, the stupidity of my position defeated itself, and so Abigail disregarded me and had her hair extensions on her wedding day anyway. But since then, I have brought up the, lie, the uh, line, your hair was lies frequently. <laughs> and so here we go. Classically Abby Lies. Your podcast title is also Lies. Uh, well, you're not wrong. The show isn't live, but that was the name I chose. If you guys have better pitches, put them in the comments. I'd love to hear what you think that this podcast should be called. Yeah, uh, let's just change the name every week. It'll do great for... Uh, Consistency. Consistency and ease of find and everything like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So today we're going to be talking about something that Jacob and I have been really ruminating on, I would say probably since I got pregnant. Yes. Um, Talking about the DINK lifestyle. So the DINK lifestyle, that stands for double income, no kids. And kind of what that's done to us culturally and how it's affected traditional families and big families. Yeah, so the starting point for this is that as Abigail and I are pregnant, we're thinking about our future and we're thinking about the changes to our daily life and our overall lifestyle that'll come from having children as regards how we spend our time, what is asked of us with regard to time or pursuing anything other than childcare, and then also financially, how our money uh, is going to be spent on things and what our perspective on that is. And something that we were thinking about is how people frame having children as a great sacrifice or people frame how hard it is to have children or how hard it is to afford children. And before we get anywhere into the depth of the conversation, you you always have to hedge things at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So let us say we are not talking about people who actually financially struggle to meet healthcare needs or food needs or the like. The people for whom the actual necessities of life are difficult to be able to afford and that having children doesn't make that any easier. Right. We're not talking about that. Instead, we're talking about the impact of having children on living the quote-unquote lifestyle to which you are accustomed. We can call it luxuries. People would bristle if you call it luxuries (laughs) because they would feel like you're calling them spoiled if uh, you say, oh, when people complain about not having enough money left to spend over from having kids, that's just luxuries. Oh, we're poo-pooing that. No. We're taking the conversation seriously, but I just want to be clear here. We're not talking about the actual needs to maintain your life and safety. We are talking about lifestyle. So with that in mind, something we realized is a lot of 
people who talk about the great sacrifice of having children and how you don't get to go out to eat or you can't afford this or you can't afford that, it seems to be from a perspective of people taking for granted as the natural default state, being people who are in the stride of your career together, double income, and no kids. And that people these days, because of the delay in family formation and the delay in having children, people get accustomed into their late 20s or early 30s or even, in enough cases that we know personally, mid-30s, only having children then. And so what have you had all the way up until then as adults earning money in your career? You've had money to spend only on you, not to save away, not for your kids, not for the costs that come up. When you're paired off with your partner, the two of you get to spend on all the vacation, the luxury, the eating out that you desire, and that becomes your normal. So your default assumption is life is lived as a single person or as two people together with no children, and children are the exceptional case. Children are the departure from the norm. And so... And also comfort is the yes, norm. Comfort is the norm. And living and within what, your means is now stressful in the sense of living within your means where you don't... Well, your work. means change. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But my point being that people view having money to spend on little luxuries as normal and if there's not enough of that left over then that's just untenable yeah and something that's coming to mind right now is it's along the lines of what people think of as normal versus what people think of as an unaskable or unreasonable burden to bear and uh, give a comparison here of the kind of thing i have in mind uh you know someone thinking that you have an hour commute is not great. It's actually bad, but it's not unbearable. It's just negative. Someone having a three-hour commute is something that we would think of as abnormal, mm -hmm. something you're not expected to bear, something that is a detestable circumstance that is a malfunction. Same thing when it comes to food preparation, right? It's taking you half an hour to an hour to prepare dinner mm -hmm. versus if it took you somehow three hours to prepare your meal mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. That would be so strange that you were under those circumstances that would boggle the mind, so on and so forth. Like it's, when you say it's a luxury to have a 15 minute commute uh, versus a three hour commute, you know, if three hours is so abnormal to you that it's unconscionable, then the fact that you have to bear a three hour commute is something that you reject, you think something is wrong, it like, grates on you, life is not meant to be lived in this manner. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to people who lead the Dink lifestyle, people who are used to being able to afford things, people who are used to a steady state of fun, entertainment, uh, vacation, all those things, the idea that when you have children, you now cannot afford casually going out to eat two or more nights a week. You can't casually take a vacation. You can't casually get an update to a car every now and then, or just any of the things. It makes you feel poor compared to your baseline because you expect that a person like me at my age of 30 or 32, who is uh, in the career that I have, affords these things, and that's what life is. I've worked for this. And so when you finally have children after a decade of experiencing life in that manner, and all your friends who are also only having children later in life are living this stink lifestyle as well, your sense of normal is so calibrated to the, my money is for me, my life is about the luxuries, my life is about the entertainments, even if it's not your stated ideology, even if you go to church or you go to a synagogue, even if you seem like a traditional person in your stated values, the way you live your life is that modern life is about entertainment and self-fulfillment mentality yeah. that when you have kids, it's whiplash. Absolutely. No, I think that the dink 
lifestyle. So when we talk about dinks, it, it, it almost, I don't think, needed the um, caveat at the beginning because mm. dinks usually refers to people who are making enough money that they could comfortably have children. Dink means that you're, in my understanding of it, is you're making a good income, each of you separately, and together now you guys are really living it up. Well, now, when I first heard the term, it was with regard to people in their 50s or later mm-hmm. who had their entire lives, because they never had children, been saving or earning or mm. both focusing on career. So they were able to earn money equivalent to the amount of 60 to 80 hour plus weeks that you can for decades and decades on end. So now in their retirement, they never had children. They just have a lot of money left over. They have nothing to be spending on now. They have no uh, grandchildren to be spending on. And so they are, you know, an adventure couple. They're people's adventure buddies. They do cruises all the time. Yeah, exactly. So they don't even need to be wealthy to afford this. They just, for decades of their life, have been earning money Mm -hmm. without it going anywhere else to spend now. And when you and I were talking about this, when we were looking at TV shows or interviews with people or anything like that that emphasizes the cost of child rearing. And that's what made us think to apply dink to people in their 20s or 30s, which is just to well, say... Well, I mean, I'd heard it before differently, but ne- but yeah. I can see for but our, the our, two of us, our conversation. Our thinking about this as regards how people around our age or a little bit older who are having children or contemplating having children feel poor because they have not had children they didn't grow up around children maybe they're from small families and they got accustomed to at this point being able to take the amount of income that they have and apply it in a luxury focus so that they lead a life of certain entertainments and so now that the money has to be spent differently it's not spent on those entertainments they feel poor and the thing is their default state was to think that the luxury focus is the way that you spend your money and so now things have been changed and so they don't realize that they've been punching above their weight yeah. in a way. Yeah, I mean, there's such... It, it, this is what I mean when I say that the dink culture is preventing bigger families because mm-hmm. what ends up happening is people are so afraid of what life might look like if their extra of funds... the privation <laughs> of not having the entertainments that they are accustomed to, the lifestyle to which they are accustomed. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, having one kid, okay, well, one kid was really expensive. Maybe we can have two kids. That might be tenable. And then we can continue to go out to dinner every couple of nights. And we can continue to go take all these crazy vacations. And we can continue to spend money wherever we want. And the idea that, no, having three, four, five kids... Yeah, it's going to take a toll on your income and it's going to take a toll on those little luxuries, but you get to have this amazing family and money really isn't the most important thing at the end of the day. It's the people that you bring into your life and the the children that you raise and make good members of society. The Dink lifestyle encourages a a viewing of, it it views family, I don't know if this is going to sound bad, but it views family capitalistically, right? Uh, Hmm. I'm not sure if I would use the term capitalistically in this exact context, Mm -hmm. but you know what? Maybe you would. Um, 
I would say it views family materialistically. Maybe that's more uh, just because accurate. capitalism I think of as entrepreneurialism and like going out there and like marketing of things. Right. Whereas materialistically is you know you reckon up family as the plus or minus of utility to you or economically. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is my family more or less of a bummer to me and the things I want to do <laughs> and the way I think of things having value, the way I think of my life having having value is as the entertainments or pleasures I can experience. And so people who are of the materialistic kind of modern sensibility, they have children as much from like sentimental momentum of this is the <laughs> thing you do as they do any sense of mission or purpose. Yeah. But once they have kids, you know, you have your one or two because that's what you do. And then you don't really know why you have them. You love your kids. You have a good time with them. But you aren't finding value in having children for the sake of propagating a next generation, a sense of mission and duty to the child, things like that. Yeah, you love them, so you feel devoted, and you don't really need to explain that to yourself, so that's nice. But the difference between having two children and how much that cramps your lifestyle versus having three or four children and how that would totally destroy Mm -hmm. everything you expect of the lifestyle you want, that's where this materialism really creeps in. Uh, In terms of the greater and greater marginal sacrifice of like the entertainment focus that comes from having children in the few years you have like between all your kids so that they're not finally off to college you know 18 years after the first one but once the first one's off to college or out of the house or anything like that you could still have one who's like six or eight years old another decade ahead of you of that and so you never have your life back again that's like that materialistic mentality of well when do i get my life back it was nice that i had kids but like i I don't need to go through that again yeah exactly exactly something i've I feel like I've been learning a lot from like the homemaking community. I, I put that in quotation marks, but I don't know that there really needs to be. Um, these women who get, who have families young, they start at 22, 23, and that's, that's what, what they value. Life, well, it's what your life is. Yes. Right? Every generation before us, their life was having children, and their life was not about going out to dinner, going on vacations, your career, me, and your me, self-fulfillment me. there. Yeah. Self-fulfillment. Really, it's like it comes down to self-fulfillment. Now, I don't think that there's an issue with finding fulfillment and finding meaning. These are things I talk about a lot. But self-fulfillment in through... Or self-actualization, all these yes, buzzwords. through things, like yeah. materialism, really, through travel, through all of the experiences that you can have that are expensive and that really don't actually mean anything day to day, like don't bring, don't build on themselves. This is the stuff that prevents people from wanting to have a family. This is what makes people buy a dog instead of having a child. Dogs are as frustrating in many ways. They're babies that you never actually get to see grow up well you don't need to be wise to raise a dog and that's the Mm -hmm. distinction is a child is an obligation that requires of you morality and wisdom and focus that you could go very wrong with because the depth of experience of the world of a human being is so much greater than a dog (laughs) go figure and so like a dog you feed it you give it a belly rub you're being a good dog parent. Whereas a child, you feed the child, you pat it on the head or watch a movie occasionally or take them out for like a Disney World trip. That's not being a good no. parent. That's entertaining your child and keeping your child you know, happy in that sense is a component of being an effective parent. But so much more is required of you. And also, the dog is 
self-sufficient in terms of time and attention, right? right? The time and attention you spend with the dog is only ever fun, generally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas with the child, there's the highs and lows. There's uh, many different moments. So, and it's a lifelong commitment. Yes, whereas your dog, um, on you a sliding it. scale of yeah, 5 to say. 15 years, is dead. <laughs> What it is. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, And to be clear, Jacob and I actually really like dogs, but we've seen enough dog owners that have not been, I don't know, what would you say? I I make the distinction. I like dogs. I grew up with a dog, uh, and I love that dog, but I don't like millennial dog owners, by and large. (laughs) Uh, I don't like the relationship that people have to the role of the pet in their family. I don't like when people call themselves dog moms or dog dads. That's not something that appeals to me. It's a dog. Yeah, uh, the closest you can get to making that okay is if you already have children or raising them well. Right. right. Like if if you're letting it be a placeholder for the actual raising of children and let, and uh, you have the dog and it lets you delay the kind of anxiety to have a child and mm-hmm. like take that next step and fulfill that role. You know, the dog is a placeholder for that. It lets you avoid it. You know, it's in, you know what? I'm going to say it right now. I just had this thought. Dogs are the premarital sex of child rearing. <laughs> The same way that premarital sex helps sap away the impetus for a couple to actually be serious in their commitment with one another, mm-hmm. and it can distract all of that. So too does a millennial couple, especially when it's like cohabitating, unmarried, blah, blah, having the dog is like a placeholder that shunts down the line, right. actually being serious <laughs> and like having your priorities together and having the child. And so, funny. so dogs are the premarital sex of. Uh, I think that that's a, actually a very good point. <laughs> but it is funny. And it, it is, it's the, all of this self-fulfillment talk that doesn't really deal with life, the meaning of life, as opposed to the meaning of who I am and I have to find myself. It's a sense that uh, you are what you consume. Yes. You are what you can attach to yourself. And in, in, in a way, it's consumptive, a consumptive prestige. Yes. You know, uh, people who go careerist. And so the idea that I've made partner here in this firm or accounting firm, the idea that I've achieved this thing, what have you done external to yourself? Like this achievement in terms of like you've accomplished a great sense of mission. Okay, that's one thing we can talk about that. But instead, the career as I get to think of myself in a certain way, it's about me and how... I feel so gratified with this. It makes your career even a consumption good, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. You are spending your time, you're spending your effort, you're spending the actual family mission that you can have, the uh, filial duty there, to instead get to think of yourself as thing. And you can actually see consumptive prestige in the form of people who are in hyper-competitive enterprises like in music, and you can speak of this with regard to opera, Hmm. or in sports or things like that, like entertainment fields that are hyper-competitive that take you away from being able to live a normal godly family life. Mm -hmm. And opera is actually a very good example of this. But just the idea I get to have of the lifestyle I get to lead from my career, it's all throwing things in the hopper for yourself. That is the idea of self-fulfillment. Whereas when you pursue meaning through external obligation, kind of, what you have done, Mm -hmm. what you have created. I like what you just said. I'm going to say it again. Pursuing meaning through external obligation. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah, rather than internal sense of self. And obviously, if you have a correct sense of mission focus, then you will feel good. You'll be pursuing meaning and you will feel it internally if you're doing what you should 
that's external to yourself, but we're talking here about you are accomplishing things that even if you couldn't take credit would feel good for you because they do something that is right instead of something that is like, you know, self-promoting basically in your own mind. And so, um, yeah, this self-fulfillment stuff is very much entirely about you making you feel yes. a certain way. Yes. Whereas and, the and that duty can sense, even yeah. And that can even go into why some people choose to have children. It's like, I'm going to have my two kids because, I mean, it's fashionable. Everyone else is doing it. It'll it'll be self-fulfillment for me that now I can call myself a parent. Well, yeah. and uh, Which not, is obviously yeah, like... Not to reduce it always to that level because there are people like that. But even, and this is why I said it before, like sentimental momentum. You have children because that's what people do. And I'm married to my spouse. And so like, we want to have kids and we're going to love our children. It's... You don't really have a sense of why you would have... It's what people do. And it's not just to resemble other people. It obviously goes deeper than that. But it's... You don't have, like, the pitch on why a next generation is important. And the idea that you are bequeathing to them an inheritance and a legacy. Which is a a fault on, on theoretically, the the parents' shoulders of the people who are now looking at children like, oh, I guess this is just what you do. Because they haven't been taught why having children. They weren't told why having children is so important. It's just, like you said, something that you do. Yeah, and you, you know, when you love someone, you'll have children with them. And when you have children, you do love them. But also it's frustrating and it takes away from the things that you enjoy. (laughs) And like, okay, so we have our one or we have our two and like... I want to start this over again. Like, we've done it. It's great. I love my kids. I don't need to do this again. Yeah. And so you stop at your two because you want to get back to the things that you enjoy that life is kind <laughs> of about. Life is about my kids, but my kids aren't, like, all that life is about. And, like, you know, like I, I'd like to be able to focus back on the things that I enjoy. Right. Like, those kind of people. And so yeah. that's, that's dinkism striking again in terms of you um, – it's honestly kind of like a college student going to college and being able to take out massive loans. Right. And, like, you have money at your disposal or credit at your disposal mm-hmm. that you really don't deserve to have at this yeah. stage in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, the same thing with the 20s or 30s dinks who don't have their children in their earlier mid-20s um, who are now into their 30s. They don't have kids. They're... Um, they're kind of mortgaging their future in the sense of they're experiencing life and luxury and getting accustomed to it that they'd be able to afford if they were much richer and had children. Mm. But now, without the cost of children, they can apply all of their income in this way. And so they feel rich or feel a certain way doing it. And they don't realize that's not actually how you're supposed to be able to afford things. You should think of life as having a default cost of raising children. Mm -hmm. And then anything left over is like the luxuries you have access to. But because no one's doing it earlier on, they think, no, 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 the luxuries I have access to are this much. And then, oh, we'll we'll find money for the kids, I guess. And then when they have children, it's like, oh, why? I'm richer than this. Right, exactly. No, you're not. Well, yeah. and I think this is why this happens a lot for moms. I don't know how much you get it as a as a dad. You you can tell me, but in my experience, and I've heard it often said that when you get pregnant, there are obviously every the people who are really excited for you and who can't wait for you to to have a baby, and then there are the people who are like, well, take advantage of this time now. Yeah, you know, you're gonna lose out on all this free time that you and your spouse have. You're gonna lose out on all this money that you guys can spend. You're gonna lose out on the vacations you can take. And I think that that is 
you know, a mixture of not understanding what your children are for in the sense of what we were talking about earlier of like why you had them and a mixture of a mixture of that and this self-fulfillment problem and uh, kind of the dink lifestyle where yeah. you're like, well, children are a burden. I love them. They're great. They're an they imposition are a onto the default. Life is about the entertainments. And then you have children and they get in the way of that. And uh, okay, so now my children are out of the home and I don't need to have more of them. And like, we can get back to it. We can resume life in a way. Exactly. And um, it's just funny. It's, it's exactly uh, backwards in the sense of we are only here. Because of an unbroken line of people <laughs> having children as a default part of life before us. Yep. Duh. If anyone thought really fully in terms of like, hmm, well, you know what? It's just not for me to have children. I don't think that I'd find that much value in it. And, you know, I'm too selfish to have kids or I'm not wise enough to raise them. You know, it'd be better off for me not to. If anyone had made yeah. that decision in thousands of generations before you, you would not exist. Yep. And so the def- the default state of man is to be having children. Mm-hmm. And so that should be, oh, my meaning is here. My actions are here. Not the default state is entertainment. And then we see how we can convince ourselves that children slot into that. Well, it's a th- something that kind of fits in with a grander picture of just man's purpose being undermined over time. I think that like we live in a in an era that is constantly trying to undermine what we are for mm-hmm. and things that really bring us meaning and purpose. And something I talk about with Jacob in obviously a joking way, but there is a part of it that that rings true, which is it's hard to live in a time where your focus isn't survival. <laughs> and right this in the sense that people struggle with anxiety and and depression a lot in our day and age because we have the time to do that. We have the time to think about what am I for? Like existential crises come into our into our minds because we have so much extra time in our day. Many of us do. And it's not just about, okay, well, I need to figure out how to make it day to day. And that means that people are not really sure what they're for. And that's a really different conversation. And when you're having that conversation in today's day and age, you're not getting good answers very often, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially from culture, especially like, from media and from TV and from the news, like everything you're going to hear is not going to give you a good answer. Faith, community, those things can give you the right answer. But often in in today's day and age, we're not actually solving the problems that we're faced with. We're just being presented with more problems. Yeah. Uh, another thing that was coming to mind right now, <laughs> and this is funny, is um, a really big problem with the a materialistic mentality of self-fulfillment and especially the careerist orientation that's what i'm homing in on here is it is actually the most unequal aristocratic isn't the correct term but it's like the most unequal narrow gate you could have for people to try and find meaning because it's as if everyone wanted to try and find meaning and like all of life is about the purpose of reaching you know number one on the billboard charts, let's mm. say, or like it's all about becoming CEO of the company you work at. So if you work at a place that is 250 people and you all only find purpose in becoming the number mm. one person, it's not like once you get to a certain stage in your career, you're round robbing with other people. Right. You know, at a certain point, you settle for middle management or being drummed out of there or something like that. If you have your uh, sense of meaning with regards to relationship to God, 
a well-constructed household, a good relationship with your spouse, and raising loving children who are moral, decent people that you have a good relationship with, everyone can access that. Mm-hmm. Now, assuming you have the uh, wherewithal, you know, be married, have your kids, but that is by default accessible to everyone. What is not accessible to everyone, reaching heights in our career. That's when you actually end up with an elitist mentality of, well, you need to be smart enough. You need to be competent enough. You need to be able to put in the hours. You need to be able to do this. And even then, much like trying to apply to Harvard where there's like several hundred or thousand kids who are all equally qualified Mm -hmm. for one spot. And so the one who gets in, yeah, you've earned it, but you don't necessarily earn it over any of the other kids. At a certain point, it's like, you know, a several dozen or a hundred person tie. Mm -hmm. And so you flip the coin. And then all the ones who put everything into that one slot and didn't get it because it is inherently, uh, you know, going to be one person who gets through. It's inherently limited and scarce. What are you left with? What have you left along the way? You know, you mm-hmm. practice violin for 20 hours a week alongside all of the extracurriculars, alongside all the studying, all to get into Harvard and you didn't get in. You ain't getting your youth back. Mm-hmm. All the same thing with the people who make their entire life about the careers striving. You ain't getting your life back if you only end up as like VP or regional VP or something like that. Yep. And so what you will have in your life and we will always have access to is the family that you are going to create and raise and things like that. So even on a purely functional level, like access to meaning, uh, people want to pretend that having the family is so uh, exclusionary or so difficult or things like that as a way for like people to, nope, it will <laughs> always be there. It's always accessible. It's been accessible for everyone. Yep. The thing that's actually exclusive is the idea that you're going to find it in careerism. Yeah. I think on that note, we're going to call it and a day for today's podcast. But thank you for joining me again. I love having Jacob on for Classically Abby Live, even though he calls it Classically Abby Lies. <laughs> no, I'm really glad that, that you joined today. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. I love you very much. I look forward <laughs> to our son, and I hope the lovely ladies and uh, assorted other gentlemen enjoy the podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening and for being premium subscribers of my Substack newsletter, and I'll see you in my next podcast. Bye!